chapter 21, and we've really uh, we spent a lot of time looking at the freedom, uh, Christian liberty and liberty of conscience. First, just Christian liberty and what it is before we get to liberty of conscience. Of course, that's brought to us from the gospel, and we are free from all those things it names in the first chapter, uh, first paragraph, which are wonderful. Um, and we've talked a great deal about that, but um, I, I love looking back at those things where where we have freedom of from guilt of sin, from the condemning wrath of God, the severity and curse of the law, the deliverance from this present evil age, the bondage of Satan, the dominion of sin, the suffering of afflictions, the fear and the sting of death, the victory of the grave and everlasting damnation, um, which is what frees us to... Um, obedience and gives us an access to God and it says that we obey God not out of slavish fear but from childlike love and willing mind all that comes to us by grace and from God and we have all that given to us as a gift and so it's a wonderful thing to think about and then you get down here and we want to start talking about uh, in in section two this idea of liberty of conscience and this is a beautiful statement as I mentioned uh Somebody said this is perhaps the greatest statement, single statement ever recorded, written about uh, Christian liberty of conscience. And, uh, it, and it comes straight out of our confession uh, that God alone is Lord of the conscience. And he has led, left it free from human doctrines and commandments that are in any way contrary to his word or not contained in it. So believing such doctrines or obeying such commands out of conscience is a betrayal of true liberty of conscience. Requiring implicit faith or absolute and blind obedience destroys liberty of conscience and reason as well. And we talked a little bit about what it it means by implicit faith or absolute and blind obedience. Specifically, uh, what it has in mind is for a church to require people, its people to believe something while not being able to or even willing to prove that it comes from the Bible. So for you to have some, uh, you know, some law in your church or ordinance in your church that if people come to you and say, well, why do we do this? And you can't say, well, look at, let's get a Bible and I'll show you why we do this. You just say something like, this is what we do, this is what we've always done, don't question authority, uh, just do what you're told, get in line, uh, anything like that. And it may not be that bold, but certainly if you go back to the context, they were fighting this idea that was very um, much alive in the Roman Catholic Church, that they were requiring all kinds of stuff that, that didn't go to the Bible but they claim of course church history is on an equal plane with the word of God as far as being inspired and authoritative so they could just point and say well church has been doing this for a hundred years now so and if the church has been practicing it then therefore it becomes law. becomes law it is on an equal ground with the law of God and in that's, and, and really if you think about it if 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 we're doing something that we say well this is you know grand day, our grand day started this and this is what we do and it, that's no different than what the Roman Catholic Church is doing. We're saying that it is equal to, to the Bible's commands. And so what the, the Baptists are here trying to say is, look, only God is Lord of the conscience. 
and so I know we talked about this some. Um, this was a great freedom to me, certainly as a pastor and as a preacher, to realize that I'm not responsible for how you obey and disobey. That's not. That's between you and the Lord. He's given you a conscience, and He's given you freedom from all these things. And I don't. I'm not Lord of your conscience. Jesus is, and so, um, and it's totally free from uh, human doctrines and commandments. I wrote these verses down. We're going to get to these in a minute, but um, I, was, I want to look at these. Uh, well, Judaism was doing that too. Yeah, it's exactly what it was doing. So it, it had a lot of traditions of man that God never instituted. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what Pharisees were doing. They were keeping the law, but they had a whole extra set of laws that they were trying to bind people's conscience with. And um, obeying traditions of men as doctrine rather than yeah. Word. yeah. But if you hear places like this is Galatians five, verse one, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, or literally to the bond, uh, the bond servant of, of don't be a bond servant to men. And he's talking about in our conscience. Um, there's another great place, Colossians two. Let's see, Colossians two, beginning in verse sixteen. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast the head from whom the whole body nourishing it together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. And it just keeps going. It's a, great, it's a great passage. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you are still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that perish according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It's just a beautiful passage. <laughs> What was that verse again? That's Colossians 2. I almost read all of it, but I started in verse 16. But Colossians, all of Colossians 2 is good because that's his point. Hey, we're alive in Christ. Why would you go back to like you were dead and submit to all this stuff that you've been set free from? And so again, it's important to have that foundation of what we've been set free from before we start dealing with our conscience. Okay, well then, I'm set free from this stuff. Now, who do I listen to? And of course... Uh, you want to be able to listen to your pastor and your teachers and know that they're teaching you the truth. But again, it's one of those reasons I think it's important to try to abstain as much as possible from so much um, application in trying to tell you, all right, now, here's the, here's the Bible verse. Now, here's what you need to think about it. Or here's how you should react to it. I don't do a whole lot of that because, again, if the Lord is, if God alone is the Lord of the conscience, then... Um, and he bears witness with our spirit then he can teach you how to apply it to your life and um, you, you just have to be careful not to be subject to any person or to any organization even the church in the sense that um, 
you know, we talk about being Berean. If you go back to Acts, the Bereans were very noble people, the Bible says, because they they checked to see if what they were being taught was true. Mm-hmm. And so again, in you know, one of the great slogans of the of the Reformation that all of us Reformed churches should hold to is that uh, phrase "semper reformandum," which means reformed and ever reforming. So you never stop reforming. If if you see that you're practicing something that doesn't line up with Scripture, then you stop and you start doing it right. You know, we don't develop traditions where I'm stuck saying, "Well, I don't really know why we do this." It's just when I got here, we were doing it, so we're still doing it. Well, you know? what the Reformation was about, because that's the church was doing that, the Catholic Church was doing that. That's you know, they most people couldn't read the Bible, and so the vast majority they put the their liturgy on equal footing with Scripture. Yeah, or higher than. Well, in church history too. Yes. Therefore, if the church, you know, that's why the Pope can declare from now on, you can do this yes. and receive pardon or take off 10,000 years from purgatory and it becomes equal yeah and which again is why until they get to heaven and they figure out hell and figure out wow that that pope was off (laughs) well then you you know that's why they make such great emphasis in our confession about the word of god being uh being our only authority because um you know i don't have authority in your life the word of god does now there's a sense in the elder of the church has authority, but only so much as his responsibility of what he's called to do, the task of being an elder. And yeah, the Bible says submit to them. Yeah, you submit to them in that God has put them here to lead, but you don't submit to them in the sense that, well, you know, the pastor told me to, uh, that God said give an extra $500 this week, so I got to do that. No, you don't, I don't have that kind of authority. Or I don't have the authority to say, tell you to quit your job, or none of those things. Drink yeah. Drink the Kool Aid. Right. So, and that brings uh, that brings us to this other point. What we said we would talk about this week, and it starts with this passage. So, if you want to look at that, Romans thirteen, because a lot of people say, well. This is another one of those contradictions in the Bible where you're told not to submit to any authority. We just read that passage in Colossians 2 and the other one um, in Galatians 5, and there's more. But now Romans 13 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. That is, those institution or authorities, governing authorities. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but bad. Would you have no fear in the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, if you if you paid attention to a lot of stuff in Christendom during I heard y'all talking about COVID earlier, this is one of the passages that was used a lot. And you were told don't have service because the government said don't have service 
in Romans 13 says you've got to obey the government. So, um, the question is, what do we do with this? How do we say on one hand, God alone is Lord of the conscience, but then God has said, be subject to the governing authorities. You are in as much as it doesn't contradict other scripture. Right. God first. I think of the apostles in, in Acts when they told them to quit preaching and the apostles came out and said, we must obey God as ruler rather than Man. men. Right. Because it contradicted what they what they were supposed to be doing. Right. Exactly. I think that is the simple uh, and probably most logical way to answer it is that, number one, we can't be set. Romans 13 is not saying God has put authorities in place. So governing authorities, of course, we would say for us, that's, I mean, really, I think it's more for us, it's our constitution rather than people. I think where God has put us, our governing authority should be the constitution and not, not governors or presidents or anything. Of course, you know, they think that they're higher than the constitution, but they're not. But anyways... The Constitution is not in the Bible, but I'm just saying. But that's a governing. It's different for us. It is our governing authority, really. Over us. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't contradict what God tells us to do, then we need to be under that. Right, because the reality is the people in charge are supposed to be making sure that the Constitution is upheld. That's their whole responsibility, that we are protected under the Constitution. Of course, that's not what's happening. So, again, that was. When people were saying, "Hey, you do what the you do what the government says," because of Romans thirteen, you know, I heard a lot of people saying, "Well, I'm not under sub, I'm not in subjection to Romans uh, to the government. I'm in subjection to the Constitution," and I think there's a lot of truth in that. But more more along the lines of what Brian has said, and I think it's correct. First and foremost, uh, we're not in, in subjection to anything that that um, contradicts the Bible. So. You know, like because yeah, I was gonna say that's a that's a perfect example, and people have said that. Hey, as a church, you don't have a choice. The governing authorities have said abortion is legal, so you should be okay with that. We can't be okay with that. Or gay marriage, and the list goes on and on. Especially as as we live longer, and our government continues to become more and more, uh, yeah, just off way off base and immoral. Um, when to shut your doors and when not to. Right. Of the church. According to them, right. But I think uh, I'm just going to read some stuff here from from uh, Sam Waldron because I think he puts it very, um, very well of what exactly is going on here. He says, "Conscience, in, conscience in this text, however, is not the basis for respecting specific commandments of civil government, but for respecting their general authority." So, you know, I, in other words. We, we are called to respect their authority, but also note they're supposed to be, um, let me read exactly what it says. It's been instituted by God to be terrors not to the good, but to bad. So there's also an argument out there, well, if the governing authorities, which God has put in place to be good, are not being good and doing good, then am I any, should I be in subject? Should I be subjective to that? And I think that's another good point too. I'm, I'm to be respectful, 
of their general authority, but not every command of civil authority is ordained of God because he don't have a choice but to put wicked men in charge so they're not always doing what's best and good. So when wicked men do wicked things, you know, I don't have to subject myself to that. I mean, it's just like, you know, the, the whole idea of something like um, police brutality. I believe in the authority of the police department. I don't believe they should just beat people. I, mean, I don't think anybody does. There's nobody in their right mind who thinks that's okay for no for un, no reason. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying. I'm not. Sometimes things happen. People tussle. They're trying to get a gun away. All those things. But at the same time, respecting their authority doesn't mean well, they can just crash in here and start throwing us all against the wall. For instance, because again, they have a they have a, a responsibility to the Constitution. So. Anyways, I don't want to make this more political than it should be, but there is, I think it is important to see this because the Bible says on one hand, hey, our conscience is free from the laws of men. But on the other hand, God has put authorities in place to make laws that are supposed to protect us and do away with evil. So um, he go, uh, Walter goes on to say, what Paul says here is that only the authority itself is established by God. Subjection to the general authority of civil government is a law of God and must be given out of conscience. This does not require, however, conscientious obedience to their specific commands or even mere obedience to all their commands. This reminds us that Christian liberty is not so much a matter of what you do. It's first and foremost an inner freedom, a matter of attitude before action. Right? So that we... Um, I can respect you and I can respect the authority for they're put in place by God but I don't have to uh, obey their commands when they're against what my conscience tells me is Bible. It goes back to the what we just said about this um, this implicit faith or obedience where I've got I've got to trust you that what's, you're telling me this is a biblical law of God even though you can't show it to me in the Bible. And so with the same way, when it comes to the governing authorities, um, I may have to show you respect and I respect your authority, but I do not have to obey that which you're, when you're telling me to directly contradict my conscience as it relates to God. And now thankfully, for the most part in our, in our country, there's still, even though a lot of craziness happened a couple of years ago, when it was all said and done, people spent time in jail, but people were, those things were set straight for the most part. I mean, finally, a, 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 a judge somewhere said, this, this person, you violated their conscience. We can't do that. We're not going to allow that. Now, thankfully, there's still a lot of that. But, you know, after you get arrested and spend time in jail, you know, now, some people got monetarily reimbursed, and some people just kind of got told, sorry we did that, you know. But, you know, that brings us back to, like you said, Acts chapter 5 or 4. No, I think it's 5. Um, you know, I think one of the other things that Peter, I think it was, said was, whether it's right or not for us to obey man rather than God, we'll let you decide that, but we're going to do what the Bible says. You know, basically, we're going to do what God has told us to do. And what he was saying was, you have the authority to punish me. 
And I respect that. And I submit to that. But I'm not going to violate my conscience. So here we are. You know. And I think that's. I think that's what we should take from uh, Romans 13. And as it relates to this section too. Of God alone is the Lord of the conscience. Um, but yet God has put governing authorities in place. And I tend to agree with. I mean, there's a reason that he said here that he um, is a terror not to good but to bad. And I thought he even said, for he is God's servant for you, for your good. And so if he's not doing what's for my good, then I'm thinking he's not being obedient to what God's put him there to do. And so... Um, Which is in our country, the Constitution, right? Right, right. Well, I think, I think that's correct, yeah, but I don't... I don't know. I mean, I, that feels correct to me, but, you know, just as, as far as what, you know, being a, a, trying to see what do we do about the Bible, I think that's the biggest thing is that no matter where we are, if our Constitution went away or we were in a different country, I still think the governing authorities are to be respected, but we don't violate our conscience to do what they say. And if that means we have to go to jail or, or get punished or... You know, in a lot of countries, people die because of that. Uh, you know, that far, the United States Constitution goes against what God's word says. Then the Constitution's wrong. The Constitution, yeah. Wow. yeah. And uh, you know, the Constitution, even though I know some of the framers of it were agnostic at best, not necessarily Christian. Yeah. Um, there was a respect for the Word of God there, yeah. and there was a respect for true human dignity, which exists, I think, in God, we are free and we are we are we are moral because of God. I saw a quote today somewhere that morality can only exist in freedom. It can only morality can only be as wide as freedom. Because um, you know, if not, you got somebody else deciding deciding your conscience for you. That that's the whole point here. I remember a quote, I can't remember, it was either by Washington or Jefferson, one that said, if this when the country was new, if this country ever goes away from the fact that the beliefs of the Bible, that it will fail. Oh, yeah. And, you know, of course, that's erased from history books now. Right. I don't want people to hear that, but that yeah. was, I mean, that was their original goal of this right. country. Yeah, and I don't think, I think they, they respected freedom so much, their goal wasn't to make everybody Christian. But it was to get the freedom of conscience. Get away from the tyranny yeah. of the Catholic Church and all that. Yeah, but and even the state deists, church. Even the deists or the people who were were not deists that worshipped God, they had a reverence for a creator God. Yeah. That even though he might have left this world to, to run on its own, there was a respect there that there is a God. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. There was still a different... And there was that authority. There was a different... Um, I, I don't want to be confusing, but there was a different spirit in the air then among people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about biblically. I just meant there was a different... Yeah, yeah. The spirit's not the right word. There, there was just a different... Almost everybody had that kind of instruction. You know, even if they didn't believe it, they were brought up under it and they respected it. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of like what we're talking about. They respected that there's... There is this belief that, uh, and, and morality too. I think they saw that 
uh, and they wanted freedom, I think somebody said this, they wanted freedom away from any kind of state church. Mm-hmm. And that was my biggest concern right. a couple of years ago. And while we decided that, you know, we were going to try to do what we could as far as we knew how to keep people safe. I mean, we were going to be sensible and not act like there was nothing going on and that there was no sickness because we recognized there was. But I didn't feel like I could, in clear conscience, I couldn't say, I'm going to obey the people telling me I can't have church. I can't. A lot to us. When, yeah. you, when you stood up and did that, That's you said, I'm going to obey God rather than man. And I'll, you said, I will preach one person at a time if that's what it takes yeah. and that just that meant a lot yeah hear somebody with a backbone well it's so rare that I know yeah. it's so rare yes. and we had the ability you know and, and I've tried to point out we had the ability to do that we're small mm-hmm. and we could I mean I think we did three services a Sunday for a while so we could have eight or ten people and we spread out and and, you know, some people didn't want to come, and, I, and some people, didn't, I, maybe very few didn't come because of it, but it wasn't really, you know, I didn't get on Facebook and tell everybody I was doing that, but I just felt like that for these reasons, this liberty of conscience, and, you know, for a lot of the stuff I expressed then that, hey, from my whole childhood, you know, I've listened to preachers say this and ask this question, what are you going to do when they tell you you can't have church, when they tell you you can't meet? I'm like, hey, here we are. I mean, yeah. I know this might blow over. And, and yeah. at that time, we didn't know. They're saying, how many days or months or years? Yeah. But what if it don't? I mean, you know, I just felt like we 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 have to. We we can't just close down because the somebody in the government somewhere is telling us to. Yeah. And um, and I didn't think it was right even to tell businesses to shut down. I just I thought that was very Again, that's an authority that I felt like uh, was overstepping. But now, you know, I don't know if I can make that spiritual or not. But yeah. <laughs> I felt like it was overstepping their bounds. But Their liberty, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because there again, I think you're free to... You know, the, the thing, though, is that what, what was used was... Fear. Uh, yeah, you're free to do this. And we're going to get to this kind of, too, if we have time tonight. Um but what about everybody else? You're going to make other people sick. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of the, the tactic switch, switch when people are like, well, that's fine, but I'm not going to worry about it. Well, but you, if, you're, if, you're a, uh, if you're a believer, then you care about other people. Right. And you can't do a this. A lot of people use that. Use yeah. that you must love your neighbor, so you better yeah. stay And that's what was yeah. a lot of churches shut down because of that. Well, this is loving your neighbor. And, and now again, and I heard y'all kind of talking about this, I I try to be careful about getting into all that. I mean, I have my own personal opinions, but I had people call me and say, "Man, I did this. I feel like I I feel like I, uh, you know, just gave in, and I'm I'm just a I'm a wimp, and all." And I had to say, "Look, y'all did what you thought was best for you you and your health at the time. That's that's what freedom's about. Mm-hmm. I did what was best for me. I'm not making fun of you for doing it. I'm not gonna go on a crusade about." you shouldn't have done this and I mean everybody did what they felt you know for the most part and, and there was a lot of pressure to do things and there was a lot of information coming at us and yeah and so um, you know I don't think it, it's not it's not uh, I don't think we should go back and criticize people for what they did or didn't do but um, because you hope that people are, again people should have been free to do it 
People should have been free to be vaccinated or be free not to be vaccinated. That's right. Should be free to meet and be free not to meet. Because that's the thing. I mean, you know, we gave people that option. Hey, I'm not going to, my Sunday sermon is not going to be about all the real Christians that come to church and all the mm-hmm. wannabes or fakes that don't. But on the other side of this coin, every time persecution has come like that under the guise of the, the authority of the state, it has always been used by God to drive and growth of the church. Right. Every time. Mm-hmm. And I think it did here. I think it, it made it... it now, some churches, unfortunately, will probably never recover. I mean, I got some friends who I don't think their church will ever open again. Right. They won't be anybody there. And um, that's sad to me. But I don't know what's God doing about that. Maybe he's, I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe he purged some. Maybe he made some new ones. Um, I used to the TV sermons instead of yeah. getting up and getting dressed and going to church. I can't yeah. stand to watch this. Well, you know, it's kind of like uh, on a Sunday morning. Yeah. right. And there's some there's good in that, and that there's some people can't, yeah. right. and that's a great I was thing. Sick and mm-hmm. I couldn't get here or get have someone come mm-hmm. pick me up, and you know, if I was without a car or something, yeah, that'd be the best I could do at that moment. Yeah, but not as a whole different way of worshiping. No, I couldn't no. adopt that during. Well, you're missing the un, you're missing the purpose. What this supernatural thing of God bringing His people together and us worshiping. Yeah. You know, we talk about that a lot. The 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 Sunday, the the Lord's Day where we gather and worship. It's not you know it's not necessarily magical. We don't do all this. Uh, you know, you may not go home feeling like you've been to a parade or whatever, but there's something supernatural happening that we can't even explain. And there's something awesome about being together, worshiping together. The Spirit of the Lord is. You know, he does what he does. He comes. And, yeah. And now, if you're where you can't, I mean, like these people we pray for every Sunday, the persecuted church all over the world, some of them would love to get together and they can't. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that wherever they meet and whatever they do, if it's two or three of them here and four of them over there, wherever, then the Lord blesses that too in the way that, because he's ordained all that. Yeah. But I think it would, I, I would just feel like it would be a bad thing for us when we're free to do it and not do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're just missing a blessing. But I say all that just to point out, I think that, you know, this is why I was willing to disobey that. Not, I didn't feel like I was breaking Romans 13. You know, I didn't feel like I was disobeying Romans 13. I, I heard it. I respected it. We did try to do some things that we felt like was the best we could. We met outside for a while. I mean, all the things that, because nobody really, at that time, nobody knew what was going on. I mean, you told all kind of stuff. But I did feel like, I mean, certainly this is God's plan from eternity is to gather his people in the tabernacle with his people. So that can't be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked at how many people, people I knew that were Christians that taught, that were going to work, going to Walmart, going to the grocery store. And we'll go to church. But two years later, still say, well, you know how people hug you and get real close to you in church. And I yeah. just. And they sing. Yeah. And they spread the virus through singing. Yeah. Yeah, we have. I know a local church that was that made. If you were going to sing, they actually told people, even in the congregation, now you can stand there, but if you sing, you have to wear a mask. They did tell them that. I know. And I was like, oh I my word. There, I, I went to one church, or I heard about this church. I did go once, but they had the vaccinated people in this section, the unvaccinated in this mm. section. 
Yeah, I mean, that's how, see, I mean, that to me, that's just, you're getting to a place of absurdity, and you're trying so hard to fit in, and you're trying to, you're listening to what everybody's telling you, well, if you love your neighbor, Uh but I mean, that's been used for every, to justify the church going along with every sin there is. That's right. Well, if you love them, you wouldn't tell them that was wrong. If you love them, you'd let them whatever. The definition of love has been so skewed. Don't be yes. so condemning. Yeah. And again, yeah, anybody should be able to come to church and worship. That is true. Yeah. But um, you can't just, therefore, then throw out the whole Bible and everything it says about sin because you love people and call it love. Yeah. But, um, you know, when the Bible says the greater love has no man ever shown then the man lay down his life for his friends and that's what real love looked like in it because of sin it looks like that it looks like death and dying but yes. um and sacrificing but um anyways like i say i didn't want to we won't get to the rest of this because we got to talk about this one other thing to do with liberty of conscience and that is this idea of romans 14 and first corinthians 8 about causing your brother to stumble because that's another that's another big thing that we need to it, it looks like our consciences are supposed to be limited by at first it looks like well my conscience should be limited by Romans 13 or now well you're free except for Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 and so that's what I want to talk to you about next time but um, I know we're close to out of time here I don't know if we can get into it in six minutes. Have y'all ever heard about uh, 